again. We are Beachroot, uh, a radio program brought to you by the University of Amsterdam. Um, we're a poetry podcast, and every episode we bring on a new guest and their favorite poem, and we discuss, we talk. Um, we are your hosts, Marta and Lottie. Hello. And uh, today on the show, we have our very own Shropshire lad, uh, Tim, <laughs> who is a bookseller here in Waterstones, Amsterdam. Uh, welcome to the show, Tim. Well, hello, thank you. No worries. And um, the poem that Tim has brought on for us today is Not Waving But Drowning by Stevie Smith, uh, written in 1957 and published in the collection of the same name. Um, so, Tim, what attracted you to this poem in the first place? Um, I've been a huge fan of Stevie Smith uh, ever since I was a teenager. She was uh, one of the first poets I read that really... I, I, I found her poetry very interesting because uh, it seems to break all the rules, you know. She doesn't... Mm. Uh, it, it's not quite free verse, um, but it's also not quite formal either. And... Uh, I, I was rather attracted by her lifestyle too. She's she's a one-off. There's not another poet quite like her, which makes her difficult to categorise. And and every time I get the opportunity, I tell people about Stevie Smith. Oh, lovely. Um, so would you like to read it for I us? I would like to read it. I oh, actually know good. it off by heart, but I'm still going to follow wow. it in the book. <laughs> OK, brilliant. Well, off you go. Uh, this is called Not Waving But Drowning. Nobody heard him, the dead man, but still he lay moaning. I was much further out than you thought, and not waving, but drowning. Poor chap, he always loved larking, and now he's dead. It must have been too cold for him, his heart gave way, they said. Oh no, 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 it was too cold always, still the dead one lay moaning. I was much too far out all my life. And not waving, but drowning. Thank you so much. That was great. That was beautiful. Thank you. And of course, not waving, but drowning is is something that's in the language now. People, see, you know, people mm. use that all the time. But it originated with her. It's her own uh, idea. Oh, great. But that is such a strong image already. Just to start with, like, even when I hadn't read the poem, but I just read the title of it. Uh-huh. It's such, I, you just picture it like someone moving around and you can just imagine somebody waving back to them, yeah. smiling, yeah. and yet there's so much desperation in it. Yeah. yeah. It's very, uh, it's a very English thing too. It's, it it mm. sort of, uh, it plays on the whole thing of, of, of being polite, you know, I'm oh, all yeah. right and, and, you know, <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm fine. And then really, you know, everything just is a disaster underneath. Um, it's a very British thing, but I think it's, mm. uh, I think it's, quite a modern poem from the point of view that you know we're now beginning to realize uh, a bit more about you know mental illness and that people uh, are not necessarily always all right dis- uh, despite they might mm, say absolutely. so and uh, you know so it's uh, it, i think it's quite pertinent for our times yeah well um so it sounds like you're a very big fan of Stevie Smith. Yes. <laughs> um, and what is it about this poem that stands out to you among all of her other works? Well, it's not actually the, my, my favourite one of hers because uh, it's it's so well known that mm-hmm. uh, after a while you you sort of stop hearing it. Um, but it's the it's a sort of gateway drug to Stevie Smith, if you like. <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> so I think it is. <laughs> yeah, um, the variety of her 
poetry. It's uh, it's extraordinary. Mm. She she uh, writes nursery rhymes. She writes uh, tragic ballads. Um, she writes poetry that is just like a complete rant, which is a, which is light cut up prose. Mm. Um, and she's also wrote three novels as well which are also extraordinary. And funnily enough, uh, one of her biggest fans was uh, Sylvia Plath. Yeah. Yeah, who wrote her a letter, uh, and I think it was probably about two weeks before Sylvia Plath actually killed herself, um, saying that she was a real fan of Stevie Smith and couldn't get enough of reading her poetry. Oh, it's here in our edition. Um, I better say straight out that I am an addict of your poetry, a desperate Smith addict. There you go. You see, there it is in black and white. The gateway (laughs) drug. (laughs) Yes, two weeks later you kill yourself, but never mind. (laughs) Is there um, a line that particularly stands out for you? What, from this poem? Yeah, from not waving but drowning. Uh, Yeah, I think it's it's the line, uh, I was much too far out all my life. Mm. Um, Stevie Smith was... Well, some would say an eccentric. Um, she didn't really move in the poetry circles. Uh, she never got married. She lived at home with her aunt, and she had very much uh, a simple life. She wasn't. Uh, uh, she didn't do anything other than you know cook really bad meals because she wasn't very good at cooking and look after her aunt and her aunt looked after her and uh, she went to stay with friends and um, she didn't have any big romances and she just worked in an office Uh, she worked for uh, a company where there wasn't actually very much to do and she was a secretary and instead of actually doing secretarial work what she would do is just write poems all day and uh, every now and again her boss would come in and he would see that she would be writing poems and would just leave her to it and she got paid for doing that oh that's one way to turn it and then she would just go home on the train and just carry on living a normal life Mm. Um, and all of that is reflected in her poems uh she always said that she was very good at friendship uh, not love but she also said that people shouldn't say she had no capacity for love because mm-hmm. she loved her aunt yeah oh that's really lovely i think because i've just discovered the poem mm-hmm. uh, when you brought it up that you were going to bring this here i'm still very much on a level of um um just affect like feelings I'm very confused about um, yeah. how I but I think the main thing I felt when I first read when I just read it for the first time was that I got a lot of emotion out of it mm. but I when I reread it I was like that's kind of strange because there's this nearly unpersonal disconnected side to it you know um, even with just the well not waving I guess that's really an idea of disconnect and yeah. you know that they said even the information that she gets is not first hand it's disconnected in some yes. way so I wondered why I I related to it on such a an emotional level the first time that I read it, even though it's nearly, um, you know, there's even a certain humor, and now he's dead. It's so dry. Mm, in yeah, a certain absolutely. Sense. Yeah, yeah. She's a very funny poet. Um, <laughs> that's the thing, and that's also one of the things that makes it difficult to categorize mm-hmm. her because you're not supposed to be if you're a funny poet then they don't they kind of don't take you seriously yeah. um but it's it's a it's a black sort of humor mm-hmm. uh, and this is reportage really you know she's mm-hmm. not talking about herself um she's observing this you know um but 
the line which I never got to saying why I liked it so much, I was much too far out all my life, is is very much, I think, how she felt that uh, mm. she was out on a limb somewhere, not connected to everybody else. Yeah. And I really love uh, the whole, the unidentified dead man. Yes. Mm. I, it, I don't feel like it's someone particular in her life at all, but I definitely feel like it's this figure that pervades a lot of people's lives yeah. of this dead part of themselves yeah. um, that maybe they would rather uh, send floating out to sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well it's uh, it's very British uh, um, mm. the way, <laughs> but still he lay moaning, um, mm. you know, and moaning with both meanings, mm. you know, that he's actually moaning because he's, he's in pain, but he's also moaning because he's just going on and on and on about mm. himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so much action in the poem. I mean, like, waving, drowning, yes. moaning. Uh, and yet, in its appearance, I do feel some kind of stagnant um, air about it. Mm. Poor chap, he always loved larking, like, this is this yep. is a time for rest, and what what is what is gone is past. Mm. But, well, you know, there's a process of death that's happening throughout the whole poem. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, there's a pun in that line too, which is, <laughs> uh, which is deliberate. Uh, poor chap, he always loved Larkin, um, is a pun on Philip Larkin as well. Oh. Um, <laughs> because uh, she, uh, she often said that she thought that, that Philip Larkin was the, was the poet of, of misery and depression oh, and, uh, <laughs> and the idea that this person who drowned actually always loved Larkin. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a sort of deliberate pun, really. Wow. Oh, that's, no, uh, I thought we had one happy line at least. <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> Undertones of spite. <laughs> well, also, of course, you know, it's, it's uh, the idea that, uh, you know, somebody is always happy. Mm. You know, mm. poor chap, he always loved Larkin. That's not what he's saying. That's what the observer is saying about him. Mm. Oh, he's always enjoying himself. He's always having a great time. Mm. Um, and really, of course, he's not. He's, mm. uh, he's drowning. Nothing ever appears as it really seems. And I'm reminded of our previous episode with Ashley where we talked Mm. about swimming and memory. And this too is going into some kind of water to have uh, almost a a rebirth or to die still. And they say that drowning is a very euphoric way to die, actually. Yeah, I don't know how they know that. No. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, very euphoric when I went. (laughs) But But they do say that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but is there? Do you get something from the amount of repetition that there is in this poem? Yes, I love that. Mm. I love that. Um, mm. I think uh, I like the oh no no no. Mm. You know, I like that. It's it's sort of um, you, you need to go on, on on YouTube and try and find a, um, a film of Stevie Smith actually reading her poetry mm. because she has this very very strange voice that she puts on, uh, and when she does that line, she goes oh no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is extraordinary, and I kind of feel that's the way you should deliver that line. Mm. Or even though I didn't do it, um, yeah, I like, I, I, I do like all the repetition, and I like the fact that uh, you know, a not waving but drowning is is ha- is where we end. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, she hasn't saved that till the end. That's not like you know the. No the massive reveal of the poem, you know, yeah. that comes in the first stanza. Mm. Um, but that's what the poem's about. And 
Why do you think she named the whole collection Not Waving But Drowning? This was obviously important to her. Yeah, I think, well, I think if I came up with the phrase Not Waving But Drowning and nobody else had it, I would use it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, And this was her most popular poem in her lifetime as well. Um, She... uh, she struggled with it with this collection when she first got it published um uh, her publisher said that, that they didn't want to publish it with illustrations so, uh, stevie smith il- illustrates all her poems mm. and in this one you've got an illustration of uh, somebody who appears to have their hair right in front of their face yeah. uh, and is in the water mm-hmm. uh, she was i thought she was quite a good drawer and and uh, but her poems and the drawings don't always connect together, and apparently she used to do them separately, and then when she came to have a book of poems published, she would just choose a, a, a drawing and say, oh, that goes with that. Uh, and for this collection, the publisher said, we don't want the drawings. You know, oh. they're, they're much too... They thought they were juvenile, um, and they thought that it, it took away the gravity of the poems. Um, but it's again another little idiosyncrasy of hers that that I rather like. Yeah, I think more poets should do drawings. Yeah, I love <laughs> well, it. Yeah, you loved it. What did you love about it? Martha? I really like it. Well, because when I first read the poem, I had a big thing of of who is who. There's so many people kind of talking. You know, there's the dead man and the you and the I and the then mm. or the them, um, and you know, and there was also the sense of of who is drowning. You know, is the dead man the one who's drowning? But then she says that it's. Um, she, it was her who was much too far and I also mm. had that image of much too far in the sea and to kind of come back to the shore and I think the image added to that kind of mystery or allure because obviously the it's, I mean I don't know if it's a woman or a man but it's very long hair and mm. so there is this, this feeling of, and, and also just the face the face of the drawing, it's mm. quite it's nearly a smile. Yeah, poking itself see. through the hair as yeah. well. Exactly. Well, also, I, I think with the hair, it's it also looks like, you know, that this person's being obliterated because mm-hmm. it's like a scribble over mm. the face. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, none of you can see this uh, photo right now, no, but if you are listening, maybe uh, get out of our tab and go into the Google Images tab. <laughs> it's a really beautiful drawing, actually. Yeah. Is there... Um, is there something that you particularly uh, want to explore with this poem at the moment? When you're reading it, how, how does it feel? Um, it's funny because I was saying earlier that, you know, it's it's like her greatest hit mm. and it's mm. the one that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so familiar with it that, it also, that I almost don't hear it now mm. uh, or read it when I'm reading it. Um, but... Poetry, one of the things I like about poetry is it forces us all to slow down a little Mm, bit because you've got to be, uh, you know, you've got to read it slowly, you've got to think about it, you've got to read it again. Um, And this is one of those poems that you you start it and you think, oh, this is not waving but drowning again, you know. Mm. Uh, But by the time you get to it must have been too cold for him, his heart gave way, they said... Um, you're back with it because the the, the rhythm is well, it's a beautiful rhythm anyway, mm. um, but you can't avoid feeling quite attached to that the whole image of this person uh, not waving but drowning. Mm. Um, we all know what that's like, mm-hmm. um, and I think she's captured it beautifully. And every time you go back to it, it doesn't matter how well you know it, uh, still um, you're drawn into. 
just this this marvellous tragic image that she's conjured up. Mm. And I know uh, that you organise, well, Tim organises poetry evenings in Waterstones, so Indeed. look out for those when you can. But you also did one on Stevie Smith. Yes, right? I did, yeah. yeah. How did people react? Obviously, I know some of the people going there don't always know mm. um, so much about the poet, hence why they go to the poetry evening. So well, how did people react to Stevie Smith? Yeah, well, that was an interesting one because I would say the majority of people who came along didn't know who she was. Mm. Um, and they recognised this poem when I read it. Uh, and it was very unusual because before I'd done poetry readings, on, uh, I'd done Yeats before and I'd done Sylvia Plath and I'd done Ted Hughes. Mm. Um, and they're all very much, you know, poets, poets and live, yeah. uh, li you know, live the life of poets mm. um, and suffer quite a lot. Uh, whereas uh, Stevie Smith has just you know, not recognisable as a poet to look at, uh, didn't live a particularly uh, literary life, mm. um, was just an ordinary person and just came out with these extraordinary poems. And so her life is uh, comes across as quite dull. But when you start punctuating it with all this incredible verse, uh, you realise that, you know, there is a, that there's a real active mind going on there. Mm. Um, and a mind that you want to walk around in a little bit, you yeah. know. This was the first poet whose uh, collected works I brought. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm not always a big fan of collected works. I think most poets work well in a selected form. Mm -hmm. um, but you sort of need all her stuff because it's uh, it's of a piece mm. um, and it's all it's all good. Yeah, it is really because I I went to Waterstones and I brought the Stevie Smith collected work uh, selection works. <laughs> And uh, it is like walking around in someone's mind, mm. even punctuated by the drawings as yeah. well. Mm. It's you can see everything and, uh, you know, there's some nursery rhymes, longer prose mm. that are in there. And I really, I've never seen a, a book compiled together like this for, for the poet. And I was really a big fan of it. Um, yeah. Why has, why has this poem stayed with you personally? Is there something personally that you really love about it? Uh, yeah, well, I think uh, you know, as I was saying, I think it's it's the whole sentiment of it, mm. um, and I'm I'm aware that I do that quite a lot. You know, I'm 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 cheerful when I'm not particularly being cheer feeling cheerful, <laughs> and uh, and that sometimes you know you are being oppressed by something, or you know things are getting you down, and uh, mm. and I think particularly you know. Working, uh, working in retail, you know, I can't exactly tell people how I'm feeling all the time. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, you, you suppress yourself quite a lot in, in a professional capacity. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, this, th this appeals to me. This is, this is very human, this poem. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, about, it's about all of us. You know, I defy anybody to honestly say that they haven't felt like that sometime. Mm. Um, and I like the fact that it's it's not it's it's not not waving but you know crying. It's actually mm. not waving but drowning. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's pretty final. Mm. Um, I like that. Yeah. yeah, I think maybe that's also why 
I had so much emotion then uh-huh. coming back to that the f- when I read it then this morning. It's especially in that last paragraph with the oh no no and then two times two and all and always. Mm. It's like at least in the form of the poem or in reading the poem or in writing it I can imagine there you can express that feeling of drowning of like everything overflowing yeah. and yeah. not being able to hold it in anymore even though you probably have to in your everyday life. Yes. Yeah, and poetry is the place where we can tell about the drowning. We can narrate the yeah. drowning. I, I don't tell many people, you know, today I really feel like, you know, that's quite an intimate thing to share your true mm. feelings. And poetry often gets to hear that side from us as yes. people, which is, you know, the privilege of the art form, I guess. Yeah, um, absolutely. And she does it in no more than, wait, one, two, three, Twelve four, lines. Five, Twelve lines. Twelve lines. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And we know that there's you know, days when she suffers in those 12 mm. lines and that's enough sometimes yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think so oh. i like it that she uh, also rhymes drowning with moaning because mm. it's you know it's an imperfect rhyme and yeah. uh, in fact it's not a rhyme at all really it just mm. sounds a little bit like yeah. it um but i like that i like that she could have chosen a word that that rhymed perfectly. I'm trying yeah. to think of one. What rhymes with drowning? Um, <laughs> frowning. Frowning. <laughs> yeah. Drowning, yeah. but frowning. Well, you see, yeah, you see, if it had been, uh, but still he lay frowning, mm. you know, it's not the same as still he lay moaning. Yeah. Um, the imperfectness of it, you know, the lines are not exactly the same length. Yeah. There's, that mm. also makes it yeah. more human, yeah. as you were saying. I like the fact that the longest line is what is is what they said you know it must have been too cold for him his heart gave way they said mm. it's like you know everybody else is making the most noise no, yes. uh, so you know he's uh, he's unable to speak or express himself yeah that is a wonderful image well i think uh we our time is up for this poem yeah though there's so much more i think we could say about these 12 small lines <laughs> mm-hmm. um so at the end of every beetroot uh episode we ask our guests to bring in a line to add to our communal poem mm-hmm. that we uh okay. oh i like that communal poem, communal communal poem. poem. it's a communal poem <laughs> Really how long nice. is it going to be? We don't know. I think we'll... we'll uh, yeah, th- that's a surprise. Surprise <laughs> secret. Um, yeah, so we had last episode um, with Ashley, which was Ghost from the Past, Go Past Me. Um, mm-hmm. And then we had a little Get to Know You episode with myself and Marta, and we decided not to uh, contribute to the, po- to the poem. But Yet. it is your time, Tim. So. Okay. So uh, my line is... Uh, funnily enough, I think this... This follows on quite nicely from what was there, but I actually thought of it before then, so uh, uh, it might not even end up in it. But uh, my line is, uh, something in brackets between birth and death. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about... Uh, probably not. No, actually, it, it comes from... Uh, we had this... Uh, there was a book where you had to... Uh, say something about your life in six words I think it was Uh, and um, a lot of famous people had been asked to do this Uh, and then for some reason we did it as a shop uh, so that we could put our things on a display of this is what six words to describe themselves and I'd got birth something in brackets death um and that was my six words to describe oh. my life <laughs> take up the space in between yeah oh. so that's really where that comes from nice 
oh well that goes on the pile of the communal poem (laughs) and uh we're very excited for that to take its its true form um (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the show today yeah it was a real pleasure it was wonderful um, you have been listening to Beetroot, a product of Uva Radio. Our podcast cover was designed <laughs> by Marta Mukladuff, our very own. And our theme music is called Life Itself, and it's by the Seabrin Smink Trio from their album Ravens Are Smart. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.